Hi and welcome to the Paris Smith Employment Podcast. My name is Tobitha Cunningham and I'm an associate in the employment team. Would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, hi, I'm Claire Merritt and I'm a partner in the employment team here at Paris Smith. So in today's podcast, we're going to be looking at managing mental health in the workplace. Poor mental health is one of the biggest issues in the workplace today, and the pandemic certainly hasn't helped matters in that respect. It's placed us all under additional stress and it's removed a lot of the existing support networks that we have um, to help us when things are getting on top of us. And it's also made it much more difficult for employers to manage mental health in the workplace because we're simply not seeing our employees in the same way and, and lots of people are working at home or suffering from different issues that they haven't previously experienced. Mental ill health is a significant issue for employers in terms of things like staff productivity, uh, it can cause issues with staff retention and obviously it's a big cause of sickness absence and over half of the absences um, that are recorded in the UK are connected in some way to mental ill health at work so it's a really important issue for employers to get on top of and today we're going to be looking at ways that you can manage mental health in the workplace and um, to improve um, life at work for, for both yourself as an employer and for your employees. So I'm going to talk through the format of today. Uh, what we've done is we've gone out to contacts and clients and um, asked their key questions about mental health uh, or mental health in the workplace. Um, we've also gathered together the questions that we most commonly get asked. Um, so hopefully they'll be a really good guide for you as, as we go through this podcast. So, Tobiatha, my first question for you is, what do we mean by managing mental health at work? I mean, I think it's a really important distinction to make that we're, we're really talking about two issues at the same time. The first is kind of maintaining good mental health at work for everybody. So we're looking at proactively how we can make your workplace a, a good place to work, how we can prevent issues occurring in the first place by managing people's workloads and making sure that they're supportive. And really what we can do as preventative measures to stop issues occurring in the first place. We've then got the second um, kind of string to it, which is managing employees that are already suffering from an, a mental health illness. Um, so someone that's suffering from stress or anxiety or depression, for example, and that may be affecting them at work or it may be something that they need our support with at work. So that's when we're looking at things like managing performance issues connected to mental ill health um, and when we're obliged to make reasonable adjustments to support employees that might also be disabled, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. So we're talking about the, the proactive steps to to reduce issues occurring and then the reactive steps that we have to take as employers when when we are faced with issues and so I think that's a really good point Tabitha there are actually you know a lot of people think about mental health it's a real negative it's a negative as part of their organization but actually supporting well-being and supporting um, your staff is is not a bad thing at all it's actually a real positive and can be seen as a real differentiator for you as an organization as an employer yeah, absolutely. And I think looking after people's mental health proactively is a really important part of your workplace culture. Ideally, you want your workplace to be a place where your employees feel heard um, and that they have a voice and that they're supported at work. And, and absolutely, there's a, a good side um, to it, as, as well as the, the difficulties that employers experience in, in dealing with the more negative um, situations, which can be difficult. So, Looking at, at that side, one of the questions we often get asked, Claire, I think, is when employers are liable for work related stress. And there's this concern that if an employee says that they're stressed at work, you know, there, there must be a claim there that we need to be 
aware of. So do you want to talk us through the, the risk factors and, and where employers uh, are in terms of liabilities there? So I think it's really important to understand that there are several elements to this. There are your employment law obligations um, to treat uh, those who may be disabled within a, in a certain way and we're going to talk about that in a bit more detail later on but then there are also obligations for health and safety but also obligations under personal injury law so if you cause an injury to your employee at work now it's pretty unusual for an employer to be liable for stress uh, in the workplace unless there's a particularly vulnerable employee who an employer hasn't taken their concerns seriously and hasn't addressed them that that's that's pretty unusual um, however you know there are still obligations on an employer to undertake risk assessments around stress so there are positive obligations under the health and safety regulations to minimize stress in the workplace and undertake those risk assessments in the workplace so employers do need to be mindful that they have an obligation to monitor risk and reduce risk around stress albeit being automatically concerned you're going to be liable for personal injury to claim is probably um, a little bit um, uh, um, unlikely. However, um, really great document for helping managing your stress and sorting through risk assessments and those sorts of things is the Managing Supporting Mental Health at Work, which is a MIND document, so MIND, the mental health charity. Um, and it really looks at some of those issues that would exacerbate stress, such as long hours, unrealistic expectations, deadlines, high pressure work environments, but also things like in job insecurity, job change and loan working. And we're in a really unusual situation at the moment in the pandemic where loan working has become the norm. Uh, in fact, we're being encouraged to loan work by the government, um, required in, in some cases, um, and job insecurity and changes all around us as well. So there's a really different sheen on it at the moment during this pandemic, which adds an extra layer of complication. And I do have some clients who have actually done a specific specific COVID-19 mental health um, risk assessment and I think that's something to be thought about. Maybe it's a bit late, we're a year in, but there certainly are issues there that need to be thought about. Yeah, and I, I think the thing is that loan working and working from home is still going to be a part of our lives for quite a long time, isn't it? You know, whether that's part of a phase return or employees looking to do it more permanently. So I think it's definitely looking at how we support managers with providing that day-to-day -day support when they're not seeing an employee physically in the, in the same way that, that we used to. I mean, I think that feeds into some of our general top tips, which is a, another one of our questions in terms of what managers can do to proactively encourage good mental health at work. I mean, I think they really are quite simple and, and sometimes the simple things are, are overlooked. I know one of the things really for managers is to make sure that they're checking in with their employees regularly not just about work related tasks but having catch-ups as to how employees are doing and um, both individually and as a team as well so there is that support network around people and, and you can identify early on whether someone's struggling um, and trying your best remotely which I appreciate is more difficult to create that positive atmosphere where conversation is encouraged because I don't know about you Claire but often I think employees just say they, they don't feel heard they don't feel that they could need they didn't feel that they could ask for help when it was needed because they were concerned about a negative attitude there so so making it clear that you are open to chat when needed I think is is often underestimated as one of the most important things 
It certainly is, but you know, and I'm sure we've both dealt with cases where actually people are concerned about their long-term prospects within mm. an organisation if they talk about mental health, their mental health. Um, but absolutely, everybody has mental health, just as we all have physical health. You wouldn't expect your job prospects to change if you broke your leg. Um, yeah. So hopefully, you know, you shouldn't. And, and that should be the culture in the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the good thing about um, being in the pandemic is there's even more resources available than ever online to support employees. And I think encouraging employees to use the support tools that are available to them, either internally, if you're a larger employer and you have access to things like occupational health um, or employee assistance schemes, but also the, the kind of wealth of, of information that there is online. I know we've um, found that Solent Mind resources can be really useful for employees and employers, and, and there's lots of help out there. So I think encouraging employees, if you can't help to access those other support tools as a manager can be really important and I think coming back to your point Claire it, it is that making sure there's a positive work-life balance being encouraged um, because it is often the excessive hours and employees feeling out out of control at work that that leads to these issues occurring um, so making sure that managers are encouraging employees to take their breaks encouraging them to shut down at the end of the day um, and, and make sure there is that divide even though we're, we're all staying at home and and it's it's becoming more blurred is is really important I think that's that's entirely true because in particular home working the barriers are really blurry and actually it's it's important for managers to encourage them to be as maintained as possible yeah absolutely and I think there are um, obviously wider steps that employers can take and, and one thing that's becoming more popular for larger employers certainly is looking at um, whether you appoint mental health first stages in the same way that you would train employees in the office to provide help if there's a, a physical issue providing training to mental health first first aiders so that there is another person outside of their manager that they can contact if there is an issue and I think again that can often help with the stigma issue that you mentioned Claire in terms of employers employees might not want to contact their manager for fear that they'll be seen as as not coping um, but actually being able to raise their concerns with someone else in the organization that's received training and can point to um, further helpful resources if, if it's not something that they can assist with can be really useful um, and it's certainly something that, that employers should look into. So, and uh, as you know, Tabitha, I'm a mental health first aider. Yeah. Um, I haven't had as much opportunity to be a mental health first aider, actually, since we've all been home working. It's mm. just um, seems that uh, that connection and that that's something that's a challenge, obviously, that all, um, all of those who are home working um, face. But fundamentally, being a mental health first aider is about signposting people who have... Uh, you know, had had a crisis, had had um, an issue at work, and signposting them in the right directions because there's lots of help and support out there um, for people. And uh, you know, as a mental health first aid, you're not able to give counselling or um, mm. you know, or, or be able to solve everyone's problems, but you can certainly help point them in the right direction. And having a kind of a team of people that can do that in your organisation is really helpful. Absolutely. And as you say, I think employers sometimes feel they've got to help an employee with everything. And, and that's not your role as an employer. You, you know, your role is to support the employees as best as you can um, with their life at work. And often that's going to require the help of other professionals as well um, on a personal level. I mean, 
moving on to to when poor mental health be, becomes a, a health concern do you want to talk Claire about when um, mental health can be classed as a disability in terms of the discrimination protection yeah yeah exactly so the definition of disability is very broad and I'm sure you've heard us all talk about this before the actual threshold for a disability is a relatively low level both in physical and mental health so the definition firstly includes um, reference to mental health so it's a physical or mental condition that has an adverse effect on uh, an individual's ability to carry out day-to-day activities and has lasted or will last longer than 12 months so taking those in turn well it's it's certainly um, a, a mental health condition a poor mental health and that would need a definition a diagnosis of maybe depression anxiety those sorts of conditions an effect on day-to-day activities well day-to-day activities such as focus, concentration, maybe ability to communicate, ability to assimilate information, all of those things can be affected. Um, uh, A substantial effect, so it's going to have a substantial effect on day-to-day activities, well that's um, been defined by case law as anything other than trivial, so anything that really affects that person um, on those day-to-day activities, i.e. not being able to communicate fully on the telephone or maybe over Zoom or or however uh, you do it. And then 12 months, well that's what's devilishly difficult about, about most health conditions but mental health is very difficult because once someone's diagnosed it's very hard for for the professionals for the um, psychiatrists and counsellors and and doctors out there to know how long it will take for that person to Mm. recover how long they'll be on medication for Um, and therefore as an employer it's going to be really really difficult the other issue is because of this historic stigma around mental health there may be employees who've been suffering silently for a long time and not told you so you could be in a position where it's the first time you as an employer have heard of this but it's not the first time Mm. this has come up actually this person could have been going to the doctors for years um, over Mm. a mental health condition so I think the answer is nothing is automatically a disability um but actually it's a relatively low level when poor mental health does become a disability and therefore as an employee you should tread relatively careful, uh, carefully when you, um, when you look to deal with someone with the condition. And the safe advice is always err on side of caution, provide the protections under um, disability discrimination legislation and you are actually able to manage that employee just as much as you could ever manage someone previously and we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail Mm. later but you're putting all of those protections and all of those steps in place to help. Mm, Absolutely and I think where some employers struggle is is actually it's asking the open questions to enable you to understand um, what symptoms the employee is suffering from and and how it's impacting their life because sometimes there's a concern that you shouldn't probe too much when someone discloses that they they are feeling ill to you Um, but equally as the employee you are expected if, if you have a little bit of knowledge you are expected to find out more obviously being appropriately sensitive and and um, you know respecting the employee's right to privacy as well so it, it's that uh, not making assumptions and and genuinely trying trying to discover um how you can help the employee and how they're affected and obviously sometimes that might require then getting medical advice and as well med- 
medical advice is key isn't it you know mm. unless you are um, a doctor or a psychiatrist listening to this you know you need that specialist medical advice mm. and input um, to to make decisions so um, don't feel that you have to make decisions without the input of either a consultant a GP or occupational health are always a really good resource to mm. discuss about how mental ill health is affecting the workplace rather than actually looking at it more broadly. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that feeds really well into our next question, which we often get asked and, and it's a difficult one to, to answer, which is, well, if someone is disabled, what reasonable adjustments do you have to make to accommodate that? And there isn't a clear answer to that. It just depends on each situation. But as Claire said, I think usually you will be guided by the medical advice because that is what um, the GP or more particularly occupational health role is. You know, they are trained professionals to advise on how a condition is impacting someone at work and what reasonable adjustments might help them. So it's for the employer to consider what you can reasonably implement at work. um, But usually that process will be guided by the medical input and that could be temporary changes I mean one of the most common way we see adjustments is a phased return to work when you've had someone that's been off sick for a long period of time usually um, the advice will be to to ease them in gradually with a few hours here and there and building up to a full-time role and it could be more permanent changes um, to reduce their hours or their tasks or perhaps provide some additional support um, in terms of you know allowing more time to consider things in writing or providing a mentor Um, so it it really depends on on what the medical advice is and, and what aspects of the employee's role they need additional support with yeah, there's no one rule fits all, unfortunately. No. Um, which, which in a way would be nice, but in a, in a way <laughs> yeah. would probably be more difficult uh, as well. Um, and one thing is, you know, we would always ask for the employee's input. Again, you're not making these decisions in a vacuum as an employer. You know, you would be sitting down with the employee to understand where they're struggling, what they think might help, um, and then getting the medical advice to inform your decisions as well so it's rare that you're starting from a blank page you will have that input as to to what you think might work and it's then working out um, how far you are able to accommodate those adjustments within the employee's role I think what the pandemic has shown is that actually we can be quite flexible in in how we do our jobs in in lots of ways Um, it's just whether that's a, a longer term solution or not I guess sort of moving on to our our next question, which is what potential triggers should managers look out for? Mm. Um, certainly p- managers want to feel forearmed, forewarned um, and, and try and predict things. Now, there are a lot of behavioural factors and there's a lot of guidance out there. What I think is a challenge, and Tabitha mentioned this earlier, is actually managing employees remotely. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot of the triggers are things that are much easier to understand if you're in the workplace together. So lateness, um, being withdrawn socially, uh, working long hours, changing in working patterns, um, sort of, you know, uncharacteristic um, uh, reactions to their colleagues around them. Well, all of this is so much more difficult if people are working at home or working in a, a socially distanced fashion for, from each other. Um, you know, I, I find, I don't know what Tabitha's working pattern is. Um, I roughly know, but, you know, I, I wouldn't mm. have, have an ability to really understand that. So there is uh, really only honest conversations that can be um, 
uh, done around that and op asking those open questions, which Tabitha talked about earlier, you know, really understanding um, uh, what's going on. Now, we see with our clients kind of a, co a common few situations, again, which are still really difficult to um, to manage from home. But the first is the implosion. You have a member of staff who suddenly, as a manager, goes off sick and you didn't even know that they have mental health conditions. That that happens more frequently than not. I think it's getting less common mm -hmm. as we talk more about mental health. But, you know, certainly don't know about your experience, Tabitha, but when I first started doing this job, it was the most common type of mental health sickness absence. The employer never knew about it until the person couldn't come into work anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then you're kind of taken aback and, and wondering how you missed missed the signs. Um. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the other situation you see quite a lot is the impotent manager, which is a manager who knows something's not right, but doesn't feel empowered to talk about it, either through their own kind of limited experience. They're too fearful maybe that they're going to trigger a claim. Uh, and of course, I think that the main rule there is actually as an employer, you're going to be held more liable for not asking those open questions than you are for asking them. So, mm -hmm. so ask the questions um, that you need to ask. Um, the other kind of situations we see is the chronically embittered. I actually picked this up from a conference I attended a few years ago, um, and I can see Tabitha smiling on the call because these are the employees that just spiral out of control these are mm -hmm. these are the employees that you have grievance after grievance being raised about that you have emails coming in at 2 a.m from them about situations and and you as a manager or hr professional are struggling to catch up with them and that's because they perhaps are struggling with their own mental health and they have lost perspective on on the situation mm -hmm. and they are really difficult to deal with I don't yeah. know if you've had any experiences of, of those situations. Absolutely. And I guess that's why often managing mental ill health is more of a challenge than managing someone who's off sick with a bad back, say, because often the employee's ability to um, think logically and articulate their concerns is hampered by the symptoms that they are experiencing as well. So you are struggling as an employer to communicate effectively with them because um, of the condition that they are suffering from, which, which you don't tend to have in the same way with a more physical illness. So it, it's an added challenge to understand um, and manage that. And often that can be very stressful then for the managers involved. So it, it becomes a slightly self-perpetuating where everyone involved is, is finding it very stressful to deal with and it's difficult to see a, a way to resolve it. To, to everyone's satisfaction once it gets to that um, stage. And actually, there's a really good point uh, along the, the way, and that's normally before it gets to us as the employment lawyers, yeah. uh, uh, around having a communication strategy with that employee saying, mm. OK, we need to understand the rules around communication and around how we're going to um, use vocabulary, etc. And sometimes an early intervention in that will save a lot of hours of heartache and a lot mm. of hours for us as employment lawyers mm. resolving situations and often that's where um, quite simple adjustments can help like allowing someone to have a, a close family member or a friend present at key discussions to aid their memory and to to give them perspective and to allow them to have someone to talk it through 
there and then can can be really helpful um, and, and looking at who they communicate with and you know often having a, a kind of neutral third party within the organization as a mentor who's who's not involved but again can just be a sounding board to, to add other perspectives can be really helpful to get out of that position where everyone's kind of stuck <laughs> and I suppose this, this actually kind of moves on nicely to the next question um to Bertha you know what should managers do if an employee discloses they're suffering from mental health I mean again I think the answer is quite simple which is is firstly we just need to listen to what that employee is telling us I think again a lot of the common complaints we see from employees is that they they told their managers they were struggling and their managers didn't seem to care and I think often it's not that managers don't care it's just that they they don't know what to what to do or or what to say so they kind of retreat backwards and and say very little Um, but actually then if you can do your um, kind of empathetic listening to to just acknowledge what the employee is saying um, to you to to take it all in and check your your understanding of of what they're saying can just be be all you really need to do Um, they they don't have to come up with a solution straight away you know it's not a case of solving the employee's problem it is first understanding um, what they're telling you and I think if, if a manager can just come away from that initial chat um, with a good understanding of, of how the employee is struggling and with the employee feeling that they've had a sympathetic ear um, then then that's the the best outcome of that meeting and you can then go away as a manager and speak to HR or, or speak to your legal advisors um, and then work out what we do next but I think feeling that you have to have all the answers you you just don't you just have to to have that that listening ear at first and that goes a long way and I, I do think it's just being honest with the employee mm-hmm. to say I don't have all the answers but I can certainly look into this and try and put together some form of plan um, and just that honesty um, hopefully reflecting that back really helps and, and starts moving the conversation along and I think it's then just, um, you know, even if you're getting back just to report that that you're still considering the options or you've fed back to it or whatever, it's just keeping in contact with that employee so they don't feel that it's gone into to avoid and you're not not addressing it, um, but but not rushing to have all the answers straight away. Yeah. And I think one of our final questions, Claire, was um, looking at, at that point where we have an employee that we've been helping um, with their, their mental ill health and, and where it's causing performance issues um, and and how far we can still manage that employee because I think a lot of employers are then very cautious um, and there's perhaps a perception that well if, if poor performance or issues at work are connected to mental ill health we we can do very little um, so do you want to talk us through through that side Yes, and and I think there is a real common perception that that once people talk about their um, mental health, that they you know they can't be managed uh, in any other way than other than kick gloves, um, mm. in in that sense, and and that is really not the truth. Um, you can still manage any of your employees in whatever situation they may be in. It's just how you strategize that management um, and what sort of levels of consultation support and um, adjustment that you need to make through through that management so absolutely debunking that myth employees can still be managed and if they are poorly performing that can be managed now 
there's obviously informal performance management, which is around coaching and kind of bringing people up to, to meet the standards that are required. And a lot of that is just about communication and maybe re-explaining issues to, to people that that can obviously go on uh, hand in glove with the support that they need for their mental health. But if you do get onto a formal performance management process, you can still do that if somebody has poor mental health, but you will need the, the benefit of probably a medical report, a medical insight so that you can put reasonable adjustments in place through that process. So consultation with the employee, the support that's needed, maybe some reasonable adjustments, maybe reasonable adjustments in relation to the time limits and the time scales in order to get to those um, those targets, those performance improvement indicators. Um, and you need to think about other options such as maybe redeployment, maybe taking a different role, all of those, those potential issues. So there definitely is a, a route through here. It's not easy and it's really formed around supporting and returning someone to full effectiveness, but you certainly can still performance manage those people who have any sort of ill health condition and includes mental health conditions. Mm, absolutely. And I think often the medical advice will agree that if there is some kind of issue at work that needs to be resolved, whether that is a performance issue or uh, resolving an employee's grievance, that actually the best way forward for the employee will be to, to actively manage that. I think it's rare that we see advice that says an employee can't participate in that process at all. Um, very common for, for there to be adjustments to that process, like having the friend or family member or a longer time at meetings or, or what have you. But I think just generally the advice is if there's an issue it's it's in the employee's interest as well to to resolve that issue isn't it because it most of the time and um, that's the key to to improving an employee's mental ill health is to to address whatever is causing them the stress at, at work exactly and avoidance isn't the way to for long term mm. um you know resolution and, and um you know to improve the, the entire situation. So um, I've seen numerous medical reports that say exactly the same thing. Mm. And I suppose that that's what we're saying as a whole, isn't it? That actually, if we proactively manage these issues and we create an environment where people feel comfortable about talking about their their mental health at work, um, then we should be spotting the issues in the first place, but we're creating that open environment where we're, we're able to have these conversations and it becomes the norm rather than um, managers kind of dreading dreading the issue coming up and perhaps then avoiding issues, which is, is usually where they spiral um, and, and become a, a bigger problem for the organisation. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, well, thank you for joining us for our podcast. I hope you found it useful. Claire is running a more detailed training session for managers and those working for uh, HR teams on the 26th of May on managing ill health at work. So if you would like to join us on that course or if you would like any further information on uh, this topic, then please do see our website, which is parasmith.co.uk for more information. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us.